welcome back to Plastic Surgery Decoded, the podcast where we demystify plastic surgery and unpack it into relatable concepts. I'm your host, Dr. Regina Newhan, and today we're talking about facial lines and wrinkles. What can be done for facial rejuvenation? In this episode, we'll discuss how the face ages, what causes the wrinkles and lines, treatment options, and how to layer different treatments for best results. Remember that this podcast reflects my opinion and my experience. It is not intended to give formal medical advice, but instead you can use it to gain insight, whether you're actually considering a procedure or you're just curious. So settle in for a listen and enjoy. Well, when we think of facial aging, Typically, what comes to mind is something that only happens when we are 40 or 50 plus. And it's true that we will have many signs of facial aging by that time and beyond. But actually, signs of aging can begin much earlier, even in our late 20s and 30s. Of course, there is nothing wrong with these fine lines and small wrinkles that eventually progress to deeper and more noticeable ones. They are perfectly natural. And each one of us is going to age at a different speed, based mostly on our genetics. But... Many people want to minimize the outward signs of aging for a variety of reasons. So we're going to discuss today some ideas to help. First, however, it's important to conceptualize how the face ages. Then various treatments can be easier to understand and will make more sense. We are typically born with wonderfully resilient and smooth skin, which has great elasticity. And it is supported underneath or bowied up by a healthy layer of natural fat. As time passes, the youthful building blocks of the skin, like collagen and elastin, gradually start to degrade and break down. At first, at a very slow rate, but that picks up as we get older. Though usually people who start out with thicker skin tend to take longer to show age. But in general, the skin starts to thin out and become less elastic. Also with age, we can see irregularities in the specific skin cells that produce and control pigmentation, called melanocytes. Those irregularities can lead to uneven pigmentation. In addition to all that, the nice supportive fat layer under our skin layer starts to thin out and migrate south, following gravity, losing its youthful fullness. These natural changes can be accelerated by environmental factors like smoking and sun exposure over the years. They can also be expedited by hormonal change, including menopause. So, given how the skin ages, how does that translate to wrinkles and lines? Well, think of a piece of elastic fabric whose elastic over time has stretched and given out. If you fold it, it will likely crease. And if you hold it up, there will likely be areas of sagging. Our skin can act like that too. Our facial skin covers the muscles that contract and move to show expression. When we are younger, the skin doesn't leave a crease after the underneath muscles temporarily fold it. It returns to a smooth state after we are done smiling or frowning. But as we age, our skin loses some of the quality and amount of its collagen and elastin over time. With repeated muscle contractions, and think of how many times we smile, frown, or squint each day, the skin starts to develop some crease lines where it folds, and it just can't bounce back. Then, if you factor in the pull from gravity, as well as there being less underlying supporting fat, 
you can see how sagging or settling of the skin can develop and aggravate the appearance of lines or folds. Sheesh, so what can be done? Well, luckily there are a multitude of options for facial rejuvenation, but choosing which are best for an individual person depends on the specific problem at hand, because not everybody has the same exact aging process. Bottom line, we must diagnose the cause of the specific concern in order to direct the best solution. Breaking it down into three categories is helpful. For some people, fine lines or skin surface texture is the biggest problem. Other people may have more of an issue with loss of elasticity, creating stretched out or excess skin. And for some people, the lack of underlying skin support is the main problem. That's why I've often used a triple-layered approach to facial rejuvenation. It's based on evaluating three skin properties and treating each if needed, though not necessarily simultaneously. Those properties are surface texture, skin elasticity, and underlying volume. First, if skin texture has become a problem, such as with fine lines, then treatment can start with a good skincare product regimen to promote new collagen production and turnover or cleaning out old damaged collagen. This is great for milder cases. For a more significant skin texture problem, Minimally invasive procedures aimed at resurfacing the skin, like chemical peels, microdermabrasion, microneedling, or laser peels, may be just the thing. And of course, these can range from a light touch to relatively aggressive, depending upon what's needed and how much downtime the patient is able to tolerate. Most of these are able to be done in the office setting, possibly with a topical numbing cream. Adding a growth factor serum or maybe platelet-rich plasma, which is derived from your own blood right in the office, may enhance results as well. If the skin texture problem includes perhaps some discoloration, then light-based treatments like BBL, as an example, may be of benefit. After chemical or laser treatment, there may be some skin peeling and redness, with, as you'd expect, a lengthier recovery if the peel was deeper. Selection and method of peel is best determined by the experienced practitioner doing the treatment, taking into account the individual patient's needs and desires. But like anything, keeping results requires maintenance. Their frequency depends on how invasive or deep the remedy was. For lighter treatments, the required maintenance or touch-ups will need to be more frequent. But sometimes that's preferable for patients who don't want to deal with a longer downtime from a more intense treatment. Okay, secondly, let's talk about problems with skin elasticity. Again, there is a spectrum of severity. On the lesser end, the loss of elasticity may just be manifested by a little bit deeper wrinkles. But in a more advanced case, there may also be loose, sagging skin. Neither topical products nor superficial skin peel treatments are likely to do enough for these issues. If the loss of elasticity is mild, Externally tightening treatments, such as laser treatments or radiofrequency treatments, can noticeably improve things. And sometimes reducing the muscle contracting underneath the problem area of skin can reduce the appearance of lines and wrinkles. Again, normally the muscle sits under the skin, and when it contracts, the overlying skin has to bend in response. If a person is losing skin elasticity, repeatedly contracting muscles will create an actual skin crease. And this is where Botox or similar neuromodulators can come in handy. There are a few of them available these days. 
Botox and the like have no direct effect on skin, but a neuromodulator can indirectly make a difference because it weakens the amount the underlying muscle moves. Going back to our fabric analogy, if you don't fold the fabric, you don't see a crease. Now that doesn't mean that Botox can completely erase skin lines, especially if they're pretty etched, but it can often help. It's a very tolerable procedure as things go, but it needs to be done in a judicious way to avoid complications or overdoing it. It lasts around three months on average, so maintenance is key here. I'll talk about Botox more in an upcoming Plastic Surgery Decoded episode. But what about those more involved loss of elasticity cases where there is sagging skin or actual skin folds? If it's not too bad, and in certain locations, sometimes a little bit of injected filler can plump out the region enough to make it look better. But beware, attempting to do too much correction with just filler risks looking bloated and overdone. And unfortunately, we've probably all seen someone who has that issue. A better option in those situations is surgical to lift or tighten the problem area and remove the excess skin, resetting that aging clock. Surgical options can include facelift, sometimes with added suspension threads, neck lift, which is normally part of a facelift, but can be done separately, eyelid tuck, and brow lift. We explore each of these in more detail with their dedicated episodes of Plastic Surgery Decoded, Check www.plasticsurgerydecoded.com for the lists of current and future episodes. Now, thirdly, what if there is volume loss in the area that is contributing to the tendency for skin sagging, folding, or just looking deflated, suggesting age? The underlying fat has thinned out or migrated south. Well, surgically stretching and taking out excess skin could help, but there might not be truly enough excess skin to warrant removal and doing so may still leave a non-youthful, deflated appearance. Well, that's where injectable filler, or even the body's own fat injected beneath the problem area, could plump up the region and go a long way to restoring contour. Fillers often have hyaluronic acid as their basic ingredient, something normally found in our bodies. Just a couple of examples are Juvederm and Restylane. Hyaluronic acid gel not only fills up a space, but it also attracts water from the surrounding tissues, helping keep the area plumped. Hyaluronic acid fillers do typically require periodic maintenance injections, though. But what's nice about them is that if you don't like the new look, it will eventually dissolve after three to six months or more. Or a reversal medication can be injected to dissolve it much quicker. A different category of filler is called biostimulatory and it works by stimulating the collagen and tissues in the area of injection to thicken up over time. Thickened up tissue will have more volume. Some examples are Sculptra and Radies. They will often last much longer, perhaps up to a couple of years, but they cannot easily be reversed. I think it's wise to start with something that will dissipate more quickly to be sure you like the new look. Then you can progress to something that lasts longer. In general, fillers are a nice option, and though there can be rare complications, downtime is usually pretty minimal. I'll also talk about fillers in more detail during my future podcast episode on injectables. Okay, we've discussed three levels at which the facial skin can show age, 
and basic options for treating each one. But what if a person has more than one of these issues going on simultaneously, including problematic skin texture, loss of skin elasticity, and loss of underlying volume? Well, I found that actually this is most often the case. It's more common that when someone presents complaining of skin lines, wrinkles, and folds, it's usually due to a combination of etiologies, even all three. As long as that is recognized, treatment can be focused accordingly. Combination results are therefore superior to treating only one aspect. And that's where a layered approach to rejuvenation comes into play. If it's clear that a patient would benefit from a layered approach, in my practice, I preferred building from the bottom up, creating a foundation, and then treating the surface. So if there is volume loss, then build this with filler or fat grafting. Afterwards, it's a bit easier to assess how much extra skin is present. If there is still excess, then surgical tightening or removal may be indicated. Or, if not that much excess is present, Perhaps something else like percutaneous threads used judiciously can produce a limited lift without surgery. But most well-trained plastic surgeons can predict what will ultimately be needed at the time of the consultation. So sometimes those two steps, lift and fill, can efficiently be done at the same time. If surgery has been performed, then after sufficient surgical healing, a laser or chemical peel could be done to refine the skin's surface and try to help those superficial fine lines that surgery and filler can't resolve. But there is no magic to this order of treatment. Other plastic surgeons may prefer starting with the skin surface, then building up volume later. And sometimes it comes down to the patient's preferences and priorities, or certainly finances. Now, all of this timeline of layered treatment we've discussed is with or without Botox. You can't use it everywhere, but depending upon the location of the lines and wrinkles, Botox can be a great tool to start with, easing a person into facial rejuvenation, or it can be a nice way to help maintain results from other treatments. If the underlying muscle contractions are reduced, then there is less of a stimulus for lines to return so quickly. Phew, we have covered a lot of ground today, and I hope it makes the concept of facial rejuvenation and the treatment of lines and wrinkles seem a little more logical. The keys are critical evaluation of all three levels at which aging is manifested and being realistic about what can be accomplished. Expecting too much from one type of treatment may be a mistake that leads to disappointment, so professional guidance is crucial. As always, there is no substitute for a formal consultation with your plastic surgeon, who will counsel you with their best judgment. Well, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it and learned something, too. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Please share this podcast with someone else who might be interested. And while you're at it, check out the podcast website for related topics to explore. It's www.plasticsurgerydecoded.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Plastic Surgery Decoded.